0: And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up and welcome to The Art of Being Well. I am a leading functional medicine doctor. I get to consult people around the world via webcam and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, The Inflammation Spectrum, and Ketotarian. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, the books, the podcast, there's lots of free resources there for you as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. And the day is almost here. My fourth book, Gut Feelings, is almost out. Oh my gosh, you still have time to pre-order the book and get access to all this free stuff that only people that pre-order Gut Feelings are going to get. You're going to get access to a three-week online live mastermind with myself, Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Nicola Pera, the holistic psychologist on Instagram, she wrote the foreword of the book. But for four of us are going to have a live online mastermind for everybody that pre-orders gut feelings, as well as you get instant downloads that are sort of companion resources to the book and lots of other stuff. And there's also a quiz that's not in the book, but I put it with the book online when you pre-order it to see and measure something that I talk about, a concept that I talk about in the book called shameflammation. How do these mental emotional things like shame and chronic stress and trauma, how do those things impact our physical health? And that's what gut feelings is all about, the gut and the feelings and the interplay between the two and how the gut impacts the feelings and the feelings can impact the gut. So anyways, you can check out and take the quiz. People love quizzes, right? And it's adapted from questions that I ask patients during the initial telehealth consultation. So you can kind of geek out on that. And, and, you know, you have to know what you're dealing with to do something about it. So we're talking about heavy things sometimes in the book, but this is a positive message of healing and recovery and just living a vibrant life. So you can head on over to drwillcole.com, head on over to the Gut Feelings page to learn all about the book and pre-order and the shameflammation quiz. We're also giving away free signed books whenever you leave a Apple podcast review. So rate and review The Art of Being Well on Apple podcast. Tell us what you love about the show. And every single month, no matter when you listen to this episode, my team and I will be randomly picking winners. So you can leave your Instagram handle in the Apple podcast review itself, or you can message me on Instagram at Dr. Will Cole. And with that screenshot of the Apple Podcast Review. And every month, my team and I will be going through the messages on Instagram as well as the Apple Podcast Reviews themselves and picking winners every single month. Good luck. Let's get to today's guest. Her name is Kat Sadler. Kat Sadler is an Emmy-winning entertainment journalist, entrepreneur, tastemaker, and mom. She's also the host of the podcast, it sure is a beautiful day. We are going and have a beautiful day talking to Kat today. The show is equal parts inspiration and celebration, while always utterly raw and authentic. Her podcast is the perfect escape for audiences who want to be comforted and return to joy. Let's get right to it. This is Kat Sadler's Art of Being Well. Kat Sadler, thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Will, you know, I'm such a fan of yours, diehard fan over here in LA, and so thank you. I'm so honored.
0: Oh my goodness, yeah, mutual, mutual fans. How's how's the podcasting? How's the podcasting land on on your side of things?
1: You know. Coming from TV, I love, love, love the podcast space because as I'm sure you can relate, it's just, it's really nice. It's really loose. It's kind of casual. It affords like really meaningful conversations. You can actually get in depth about things You know, I was for years like to time and I, you know, was given the assignment. And this is great because with my podcast, it sure is a beautiful day. You know, I get to decide who I speak with and how it looks and how it goes. And it's always kind of unpredictable. I love the ride. Don't you?
0: Yeah, I love it too. Yeah, I definitely, as you know, my day job is consulting patients. I'm in like clinic land, but it's nice to have this interspersed throughout the week and being able to talk about things that I'm passionate about or learn from people that I otherwise wouldn't have a chance to talk to, so it is really fun, and I love the this sort of like the unscripted nature of it, and the fact that you just really can have real in depth conversations, like you said, it's not just talking points and and you know sound bites. Let's go there. Let's go back to how you got into the entertainment space, the news space, the TV space, because you're from Indiana originally, right?
1: I am. I so am.
0: Take me through that. Like that's a big. Two Jump. different worlds, Midwest <laughs> to Los Angeles.
1: What's, what was that like? It could not be more night and day. You know, I think I always inherently knew I loved to speak. My mom would tell you that. I was always a big talker. <laughs> but I also, I guess, more importantly, was a decent listener. And I love telling people's stories, even just as a like a young girl. And I was a performer. I was in the musicals and theater and all of that. But God, this is so going to age me well. But like I, you know early 90s you know the first video cameras are coming out and everything and I was I just became obsessed with the medium of just interviewing people even you know just for fun that was my the thing I did and so I did go to college I ended up studying journalism broadcast journalism and while in college I got my first general assignment reporting job so that was in Indiana but I also just had this itch that I wanted to kind of get out and break free. I had never even been to California. I think I just barely been to New York at that point and even traveled, but then you get a taste of it. And I think I just right at that point knew I wanted to engineer a career in broadcasting. And so I got pretty lucky. I got my first TV job in San Francisco, which is a really large market. And at the time, you know, All there was was TV. You know, people have their own TV channels in their house now and in their basements. And I love that people can create from wherever they are in the world, which is so cool. But it was definitely a different time there. If you wanted to interview people or have a shot at, like, covering all of these amazing things, you had to be on TV. That's how it was. And so I was in local television for about 10 years, both in San Francisco and then back in Indianapolis after I had my two kids— and then i just started the the real dream which was i want to go to hollywood and it sounds so cliche but i was that girl and i was watching all the red carpet shows and i was just like hold on wait a minute i think i can do that and so um a couple castings later and a couple interviews and months later and i my family and i moved to los angeles and i've been here ever since that's 16 years ago So yeah, wild, wild ride.
0: It is wild. Do you consider like in your heart of hearts, even though you've been in LA 16 years and you've traveled around, you mentioned San Francisco and different markets, but do you feel like a Los Angelino or do you feel like you're an Indiana girl living in Los Angeles still?
1: Mm, Gosh, that's such a good question. (sighs) like anybody from like the heartland will tell you it's like always in your blood it's certainly in my roots but i mean i'm here for a reason i'm not leaving mm-hmm. i love it here i i mean listen la is changing a lot even just since through covid it's it's not our i guess shining moment if you will there's a lot kind of wrong with la but just california in general i love the weather I love the people. I like the diversity. And so I think I'm officially a California girl now. Can I say that? Or a California old lady, maybe one of the two. <laughs>
0: <Shut up. laughs> no, you're a California girl. I love it. Yeah. My wife's from Los Angeles originally, and she's living in Pennsylvania. And I still, I don't know, I'd have to ask her this question if she still feels like a Los Angelino living in Pennsylvania right. or not. But It's the opposite for her. But, you know, I I feel like I'm, I'm from Pittsburgh It's in Pennsylvania, which you think is like the Northeast. But I I feel like Pittsburgh in many ways is more Midwest than East Coast. Like Philadelphia is so much East Coast. Pittsburgh is like this weird amalgamation of Ohio-ish. Yeah. So I get that, that the good caliber of people, I feel like, are the Midwest. Mm -hmm. My patients from the Midwest are some of the nicest people you'll ever meet.
1: Yes. And it's weird because... When you grow up that way, I remember when I was first in California, and I was just being myself, just what I knew, which was friendly and open and smiled at people. <laughs> people really questioned that. I remember my first job in San Francisco, they're like, what's your agenda? Why are you saying hi to me in the hall? Like, I'm like, I thought that's just what we did. So that took some getting used to. I mean, there's definitely a, some different energy in the big cities, but I still, that's fine. You can create whatever energy you want around you, so... It's been exactly.
0: good to me. So, your when you moved to to LA, you you start you start in the entertainment space, interviewing big names. Do you remember the first interview of someone that had a big name, and who was it, and what was the interview like? Was it oh, was it clunky? You know, was it like, oh my gosh, this is my first time doing this. What was it like
1: for uh, you? Well, what's interesting, and I think why I even wanted to pivot and come to Hollywood and work here full time is because I did interview celebrities prior to moving here because even in the local markets, if you're familiar with junkets back in the day, they had the Mm -hmm. movie junkets and the studios would invite all the local domestic reporters to town. So I was interviewing celebrities for about 10 years. I mean, the first person that popped in my mind was like Johnny Depp and Meryl Streep and Angelina Jolie, like early days. Of course, a little girl from Banana was like completely starstruck. I couldn't believe it was my job. I didn't know if I would find words to even ask the questions. I mean, there was definitely a massive learning curve. The first thing I remember about LA when I first got my job on E! was live from the Emmy Awards because... You're live, first of all, and you're live in front of, like, the world because E is international, and I remember being absolutely scared shitless about the whole experience, but at the same time, super out of body, like, how— Like, I remember the stage manager counting me down, like, we're live in ten, nine, And I'm, like, in my (laughs) gown, and I'm, like, on the red carpet. And, yes, all these celebrities are all over the place. And I'm, like, how did I get here? And, like, don't forget to breathe, and then you have to talk. And that's what I remember most about when I first got to E and started working at that level. It was really, really special. And, yeah. Pretty, pretty pinch me moment for sure.
0: For sure. You mentioned, okay, I I don't know if I can breathe. What am I doing here? (laughs) I'm always thinking of the person that's doing live TV or on stage And like, if they feel like they're going to pass out, what do you do? Do you, did you ever have that moment? Like (gasps) I'm having this out of body experience I'm feeling lightheaded. (laughs) Has that ever happened
1: to you? Oh my gosh. Yes. A million times, a million times. I wish I was doing my hot yoga back then, actually, because now I'm like doing (laughs) hot yoga all the time. I mean, my breathing is so on point. Thank God I know about breathing (laughs) now. I would have come in handy back then because yes, I mean, I don't, I can't speak for everybody, but I think there was a long time, you know, when you're on TV every day, and yes, you're putting these high-pressure situations, you know, I I covered the Olympics in London, and I've traveled the world, I've been at film festivals in Cannes, and you're like, you're suddenly like injected into these really high-pressure situations, you don't have a script most of the time, like it's really just like, that's what you're paid to do, you're paid to be able to roll with it, to speak to anybody at any given moment, and by the way, you may not know even a thing about them, or any background, you're just thrust into these situations and for sure I was nervous about that but I don't know I guess I mean I never did pass out (laughs) I did pass out (laughs) I had a therapist tell me once. she's like it's okay to drink I I kid you not I had a therapist tell me this was probably 10 years ago when I was Uh like you know sometimes I still get like really anxious before I go on television she's like, you know, if you have a little drink beforehand, it's not a it's not a big deal. I wouldn't judge yourself. Oh I couldn't believe. And now looking back, I'm like, I can't believe that was advice I was paying to get. was like, just have a oh drink. Oh, my gosh. Can you believe that? Yeah,
0: that's some interesting <laughs> advice. But actually, you know what? The way that our country sees alcohol, it doesn't surprise me. You could find a professional that would say something like that.
1: I know. It's a little
0: self-medication.
1: Yeah, I know. Gosh. I hope that that kind of advice is not being uh, given today. I think at least it's shifting a little bit.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. If you know anything about me, for years, I've been talking about propolis. I've used propolis every day for a long time to help support my immune system and keep my body healthy when I start to feel run down. Honestly, just from a nutrient standpoint, I just love it. You can take it during cold and flu season. You can, again, take it just from a maintenance standpoint like myself. I use the Propolis Immune Support Throat Spray nonstop when I'm traveling as well, especially right now because I'm traveling more. I have patients throughout the week at the telehealth center. And then on long weekends, typically I will be flying somewhere for gut feelings, my book promotion. Propolis is made by bees and backed by science. Bee Propolis acts as the bee's medicine. It contains antioxidants, vitamin C, zinc, iron, B vitamins, and more to support the human immune system. Propolis is the defender of the hive and bees use it to protect their hive from any bacteria that might harm them. It's the hive's immune system. Medicinal use of propolis dates way back to before 300 BCE in the times of Aristotle. Aristotle is actually thought to have coined the word propolis, which means defender of the city. Beekeepers Naturals products are made with clean ingredients. They are certified keto, certified paleo, gluten-free, and natural. Always third-party tested and free of artificial colors, preservatives, fillers, alcohol, gluten, GMOs, pesticides, and refined sugars. And if you haven't heard the episode, I had the brilliant founder of this company on the podcast just recently. So go back and listen to the episode that I had with Carly Stein Kramer. I blew my mind, all this science around bees and the things that we can get sustainably from these beautiful creatures. So today, Beekeepers Naturals is offering you an exclusive offer. Go to beekeepersnaturals.com slash Will Cole or enter code Will to get 20% off your first order. That's B-E-E-K-E-E dot com slash Will Cole. Beekeepersnaturals.com slash Will Cole, or you can enter code Will Cole, all one word. Beekeepers Naturals products are also available at Target, Whole Foods, CVS, and Walgreens. Start feeling better every day today. If you had to say throughout your career, was there an interview that sticks out that was, maybe the most difficult interview you've ever given. Mm. It doesn't mean they were difficult per se, but just mm-hmm. like the whole experience, maybe mm. the vibe between the two of you, the, the energy between the two of you is off. Anything comes to mind?
1: Yes. Jim Carrey. Have you seen this one, Will? Because this I interview haven't. went viral. This interview. It's funny that you ask because I'm actually speaking tomorrow back at my alma mater, Indiana University. I'm speaking at the journalism school to like some broadcasting students. And I was just prepping this particular interview link for the class because it's such a standout memory and experience and interview. And it's got all the things that you just mentioned, very awkward, unbelievable, unpredictable. But I was at New York Fashion Week. This was probably six years ago or so. And it was the Harper's Bazaar Icons party. And that is when literally the who's who of Hollywood, music, film, TV, fashion, everybody's there. So it's a red carpet that first is a New York Fashion Week. So everybody's over the top and super glamorous. And then you've got, you know, I remember that night in particular, it was like Kim, it was Kanye, Selena Gomez, like everybody was there. And that was one of those cases where I probably did a hundred interviews. You're just taking anybody and everybody that's walking on the carpet and Jim Carrey shows up. And I remember thinking at the time, like, he wasn't somebody that E would even like cover a lot or, you know, he didn't, I maybe even have a movie out at the time and no one thinks Jim Carrey fashion, right? So I thought, oh, I'll just do this interview and it may or may not even see the light of day. It wasn't live. They were all taped. And I noticed him walking on the carpet, kind of bobbing in and out, weaving in and out of the different media outlets. And I was like, oh, he's on one. He's doing Jim. Like, he's being goofy and funny. And this will be interesting. And because, by the way, huge fan of Jim Carrey and his work and his career. But he walked up and, like, immediately starts, like, doing this 360, like, walk around me, like, kind of taunting me, kind of wanting to, like, (laughs) dance during the interview. And I was like, oh, hold on tight. This is going to be fun. And, you know, (laughs) I'm kind of following him around with my mic. And before I know it, I can't remember the first thing he says, but it's something like... (laughs) I don't want to be here. This is the most meaningless thing in the whole. Why would I ever want to be here? This this doesn't matter. You don't even matter. You're not even real and neither am I. And I was like, whoa. Oh my gosh. And he just went, went there. I mean, he went totally off the tracks. And for me, I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And so I remember like asking him back, like, well, if it's the most meaningless, unimportant thing you can think of, why are you here? I'm like, you're dressed up, even more tux. And so we had, I like to say it was like dancing because it was so much fun for me because he challenged me in a very big way. He was talking about all this existentialism and like super deep spiritual stuff at a place that, you know, doesn't call for that kind of conversation necessarily. Looking back, Mm -hmm. I think I know why he did that. But anyway, that interview happened. I remember just exhaling after it was over, like, Did that, what did he just say? Did that just happen? It was so bizarre. And I remember calling my producer in LA and saying, don't ignore the Jim Carrey interview. Like, don't fast forward through it. They were looking for like the weekend or like, oh, whoever they would normally cover. And I said, watch that because I think there's something to that. And then they released it online the next day and it was viral within that weekend. It had millions and millions of views and still does. I still get asked about that interview to this day.
0: Oh my gosh. It
1: was so wild. And then just a funny footnote on that story is that he got like some, a lot of like judgment for it, I think, where people were like, has he lost it? What what happened to Jim Carrey? He's off his rocker. And then I got, you know, I got some judgment too, which was like, you were like too playful with him and you were poking fun, which I wasn't poking fun, but I was bringing the audience kind of into the interview, like with raised eyebrows, like, is this really happening? You know, it's kind of like that feeling. (laughs) But, you know, I don't, I don't know that they were from him, but about a week later, I got flowers from Jim Carrey, and he basically oh. was, like, quoting this Purple Rain poem or something, you know, wild that he just said. It wasn't, like, I'm sorry, but it was, like, thanks for the ride, kind of, like, that sentiment. It was pretty crazy, Will. It was
0: wild. It is crazy. I'm definitely
1: one to remember.
0: For sure, and you mentioned like the existential. He was talking about really deep things, and you said you didn't understand it then, but you kind of get it now. What do you think he was? Why he was going there?
1: You know, at the time, I was thinking, you know, I have time for those kind of conversations, but you know, it wasn't the time or the place. Like, if he wonders why people weren't responding to what he was saying, it's like you know, we're at a magazine party, and Anna (laughs) went tours or Anna went tours down the carpet, and it just like. That's why it came off so jarring. But looking back, if I'm someone who's trying to get the world to listen and I'm this like evangelical for, hey, think about your purpose in life. Think about the reason we're all here. Think about, you know, all Mm -hmm. these deep things. Maybe that's precisely where you have that kind of conversation because nobody else is talking about it. So I get it. I don't know if that was intentional on his part. Trust me, I have tried a number of times to get the follow-up interview to that because he obviously knows that that interview went. Very, very viral. Um, I would love to sit down with him and talk about his spiritual take and his beliefs and, and why that happened and what message, if there is a message he's trying to share with the world, what it is.
0: Right. For sure. I, I'm sure it'll happen. Maybe it'll happen from this conversation. I don't know if you listen to The Art of Being Well, well he but should. maybe.
1: He should. <laughs> I'll just Lodge send him of. a link to your show and then maybe that'll be my green light. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I doubt yes, it, but please. we can try. Let's we could try. And then you hear the, you know, the, the cliched phrase of never meet your heroes, right? Because he'll probably let you down. Was there somebody that you can share that you like maybe... Admired them from afar and then you meet them and you're like, wow, you're you're a difficult person or mm. you're not what I thought I would be.
1: Mm. Well, I've obviously I have been asked this before. And you know, me being the eternal optimist and not liking to put negativity in the world, I I do I sometimes dance around that answer to that question because I never want to mm-hmm. like throw anybody under the bus. However, yeah, people
0: can have a bad day.
1: Exactly. That's actually yeah. my point, is that what I've learned through decades of interviewing people is that like you're never going to get the same person five times so it's kind of unfair to like judge that person like I'll give you an example Matthew McConaughey he can be charming and extroverted and fun and make for like the best interview and really thoughtful and gracious and then I've interviewed him a couple times where he's kind of like feels like an egomaniac and he has like no energy and he'd rather be anywhere in the world but next to you doing an interview. So that Mm
0: -hmm. is
1: hard not to take personal, but, you know, I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, they're human just like us. It really is that true story that it's kind of like that really is the case. Ashley Judd was interesting. I mean, she stands out because – I was a real fan of hers, and interviewing her was always a joy in that she's really smart. I really like smart people, and I like big words, and I always thought she was interesting. She was a little, shall we say, I don't know if anyone's ever called her a diva, but she kind of came off like a real (laughs) diva. That surprised me. That's the okay. worst thing I'll say <laughs> about
0: <laughs> yeah. anybody. But like you said, people can have bad days yeah. and you don't, especially when you talk about the junket and like you go, I can't imagine like talking and talking and talking all day long. Well, I guess I do that with consultations, but yeah. <laughs> it's like people can get, I think when you're not in that space of, you know, you know, it probably could be easy to, to, to get, take things for granted, let's just say right.
1: that. Right, that's probably it. And, you know, when people are watching, you know, the average person now on social media or we're online or you know it's so easy to like judge and leave these you know very critical responses and comments and like judge people but i mean i i'm rather sympathetic to anybody in the public eye cuz you just it's 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 never just exactly what it seems like it's not you mm-hmm. know what i mean it's not it's all kind of it's all manufactured anyway so it's 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 hard to take everything just completely for what it is
0: Our next partner is Athletic Greens and all the patients, all my patients that listen to the podcast will tell you, yes, Dr. Will Cole freaking loves his Athletic Greens and I recommend it to my patients as well. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every single day. I love it because it's one simple thing that I can do in my busy day consulting patients to nourish my health. With just one scoop, I get the nutrients and gut health support that helps my body thrive, and covers my nutritional basis. It's made with 75 super high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients that deliver benefits like mood support, immune system support, sleep support, sustained energy. So if you're going through any lulls in energy, that PM fatigue, brain fog issues, this is a great way to support that as well. And so much more. I also like that AG1 is delivered monthly, so I don't have to think about it. I also, this is a pro tip. When I travel, I will get the travel, the AG1 travel packs. They go in my carry-on. I have no excuses. And I'm in a small hotel room. <laughs> I'll get what I'll typically will do is either there'll be a glass in the hotel room or I'll get a big Starbucks cup downstairs and I will stir up my AG1 with my travel packs. It's so convenient and I'd never miss a day. So if you want to take ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D. And look, I look at labs for a living. Vitamin D deficiency is ubiquitous. So definitely take advantage of this because you're going to get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and also five free of these travel packs that I love with your first purchase. So go to athleticgreens.com slash Will That's athleticgreens.com slash Will Check it out. Has your interviewing skills has it changed over the years, and I'm curious like if it has, like what do you do differently now that you didn't do at the beginning of your career?
1: Mm. I think the real difference is some of it's just the content, you know I probably over prepared earlier in my career as well, because with a lack of experience, you know, maybe you overcompensate a little bit. I was so, so prepared and I would do so much research before I ever interviewed anyone. And I would try to find like a couple little nuggets out there that nobody else would be asking about to make for an interesting conversation. And today, I mean, the the biggest change is that my career in the past was so focused on celebrity just because of circumstantially, I worked at an entertainment network. So that was my job Mm -hmm. five days a week for a very, very long time. And when I left and I was like, okay, I can create my own business now and create, build my own path and change the, the, the exchanges into something I want. It really was that I wanted to have Mm -hmm. more meaning in the conversations. And so between the podcast space allowing for that and for me having the freedom to now decide what that's going to be. I mean, what's wild is that, you know, I am now drawn to things that you cover. I mean, I I'm not I have no credentials in the wellness space, but I am so turned on by it. I am so mm-hmm. turned on by how we feel as women in particular and our bodies and this season of midlife and all the things that are changing. And so not really intentionally my Mm -hmm. my career is kind of morphed into talking more about this kind of thing and helping women optimize their health and being in partnership with a lot of brands and and other companies and experts that you know try to put really great messages out there so Mm -hmm. i didn't like that wasn't my blueprint when i left e like i didn't know that it sure is a beautiful day was going to kind of turn into that but it really has. And so that's very, very different in that I came from, you know, entertainment news and covering pop culture. And now like, I don't wake up and eat, sleep and breathe that at all. Like, Mm -hmm. in fact, I'm kind of in some ways over it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it's beautiful. It's like your own evolution and you've been there, done that. And now you want to have the conversations you're actually passionate about in this season of your life. And yeah, I think that's really cool. And, And I don't know what you can say or can't say, but I know in researching about for our conversation today is when you left E, it was kind of made news in and of itself. Yeah. I mean, you were in news and then you made news. Right. I don't know. Can you talk about that at all?
1: Yeah. Well, it wasn't my intention to become the news, I'll tell you that. I mean, when I was made aware of this pay disparity situation, at the time, it was just very personal. You know, I was upset about it, I was surprised by it. And then I had some real soul searching to do. Like, do I want to renew a contract at a place that's like, you know, the, the, where the inequality was so evident? Do I want to work at a place like this? Could I even? you know, swallow it, do it anyway, and then do a great job. I mean, there's no integrity in that. So I had so many questions and so much to work through. And then once I had made my decision, you know, it was wild because I couldn't go on TV my last day there and say to the world, I'm leaving because they won't pay me as much as they do him. You know, it was a very very sensitive, delicate, litigious situation at the time. But then I was able to, of course, share my story on my blog. I put my blog post up there the next day. And then, like, within hours, it had gotten picked up in the media. And I really thought, okay, we were just like, we'd been in the Me Too movement. Time's Up hadn't even really been born. The Time's Up movement kind of came to be officially about two weeks after I left my job. So the timing just was really interesting. I thought, okay, it'll be in a news cycle maybe for a day or two, maybe three. And it wasn't. I mean, it just kept going and going and and it caught on like wildfire. And then before I knew it, a lot of these big celebrities that I had interviewed in the past were speaking out on my behalf. And it was, it was a really wild, An emotional time. So no, I didn't expect to be part of the news, but what I did realize through that experience was now I've got an obligation because this isn't just my little one story about pay inequality. This is a a pervasive issue. It's a systematic issue. And now I have to use my voice and my reach and my platform to speak out about it. And so I Mm -hmm. did not predict that at all. I thought, you know, I'm going to leave. I'm going to get my blog going. I'm going to try to get a new TV job. But then I became kind of this impromptu poster child for the equal pay movement, which again, I, I didn't plan for. So mm-hmm. I had a lot of learning to do, and then I had a lot of speaking out to do. And then I, you know, it was it was a, a wild year or two, but I'm still obviously very passionate about that and all right. all things championing women. So these are the things that, you know, I always tell people like you can design your career path or set your goals or think you're gonna be one thing. But you just I that's what I love about life. It's like this is the the stuff you can't plan for that is mm-hmm. really the sweet sauce in it all because who would have mm-hmm. thought
0: right right and i think that's another benefit maybe of being in the podcast space the way that you are and and i am too it's like you are more of a creator of your own destiny you're not you don't have all of this corporate inequality oh. interest I'm sure that's another benefit for for you as well, right?
1: Yes. Yes. Although I just want to be as efficient as you, Will, because I look at your business. I'm like, how does he do this? He's doing the podcast. He's writing four books. He's seeing patients all day. He's a dad. He's, how are you doing? I, th- that's that, The next time you're on my show, I'm going to get all of your life hacks because I don't know how you put it all into a 24-hour day.
0: I, I'll, share, I'll share my secrets with you. We'll talk next oh, time.
1: <laughs> I think the world wants to know. I do because oh, I'm gosh. like barely holding on over here. I don't know how you oh, do it. Lord.
0: You're doing amazing things. I mean, sorry, I didn't interrupt you. But yes, I'm just gonna say
1: that it's very liberating to work for yourself. I mean, I don't think it's an accident that so many people are starting their own businesses and starting their own companies and wanting, you know, developing their own personal brands. There's so much freedom in that. Yes, there's a lot of stress. Associated with that, yes, there's a lot yeah. of pressure and risk and we have bills to pay and kids mouths to feed and all these things, but from a overall health standpoint, I actually feel better today working for myself than I ever have. At, you know, my oldest obvious age I've had yet, I feel my best.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. And and like we said earlier, you can have these conversations that you want to have in deeper in-depth long-form content. And one part of that, you, like you mentioned, is wellness. I'm curious for you personally, how has wellness evolved over the years, living mm-hmm. in the epicenter of wellness, but also being interested in this personally? How's that changed for you?
1: Yeah. You know, I was thinking about that earlier when you asked me, you know, my more Indiana girl or I'm more Angelino now. I think one of the. My favorite things about living here is the access to information that is and the mm-hmm. access to good food and the access to all of these healthier ways to live. And when I do go back to Indiana, I get very saddened by the state of things or the the proximity of the health food store. You know, you're driving sixty miles to get there and stuff. So, did I used to think and behave like this? Not at all. You know, I grew up, you know, you ate what was on the table. Nobody was particularly worried about what was in it. My mom was a working mom. And so food was never a real focus growing up. I had my fair share of fast food all the time. I definitely wasn't taking any vitamins. And then I became a mom. And when my kids were young, we, we had moved to LA, like I told you. And I think I was like every other mom at the time, you know, like, eh, Happy Meal isn't going to hurt them. You know, I just, I was very relaxed. I thought moderation was fine. And then I saw Food, Inc., and I think that was the beginning of this light bulb that went off for me in my exploration of the connection between food and our health. And it sounds silly, but it really just was a documentary. And I thought once I started learning— where our food comes from, you know, the industrialization of food, what's like all the things going into even what you think is a real pretty red tomato. Not all pretty red tomatoes are created equal. And I just had mm-hmm. no clue about that. And then I had children and I thought, I'm not putting this stuff in their bodies. I mean, that's really kind of where it started. Mm-hmm. And so over the last 10 plus years, I've just paid far, far more attention to diet. You know, I do believe I'm one of those people, food is thy medicine in many, many ways. And just in the last probably five years, you know, I I, I imagine a lot of your audience can relate when it's kind of like you're younger and you just take a lot of things for granted and you feel pretty good and you've got your energy, even if you're not being that kind to your body. And... All that started changing about five years ago. I was just like bloated all the time. And then my boobs were sore. And then, like, I just didn't have the energy I once had. And then I was like, oh, is this this thing they're calling perimenopause? What's that? And pay attention to my hormones. And the, so I just started having a real hyper awareness about my own body. And mm-hmm. I was frustrated, but then I also was hell bent on learning more. Like Mm -hmm. what does it all mean? Are there ways that we can be more comfortable every day? Of course there are, what are those things? And so as it pertains to my own personal choices, like I really had to make a shift. I was drinking too much. I was like a social drinker, never had a problem, but I was certainly drinking five days a week, even, you know, I'd be gardening. I'll have a beer. If I'm cooking for my kids some pasta for dinner, I'll have a glass of wine. I was just that person who didn't think about it. And then when I started to do the research, it's like, yeah, it's all connected. It is a poison. There is a reason, you know, it might feel good for that hour, but you're going to feel worse the next day. And so Mm -hmm. I've reframed my relationship with alcohol. I pay close attention to what I eat. I am newly a fan of intermittent fasting which i know you are the king expert of like i i used to think that was like like everybody like the way it's stigmatized like oh that's you're being calorie conscious or you're being like focused on your diet too much i'm like no 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 wait a minute like so it's boosting my immunity i feel better overall i'm less hungry throughout the day like I have all my levels like totally like leveled out so Yeah, I've made some shifts. My biggest thing today is knowing what supplements are worth taking for me. And I think that's probably a lot of people. Like, there's so much in the market now. And I think a lot of us are overwhelmed by it because, you know what? Well, I take so much. Like, it's actually quite comical. You know, I've got my powders, I've got my potions, I've got my pills, I've got my CBD liquids. I'm so turned on by it all, but I'm also like, I don't even know why I'm taking what I'm taking sometimes. Mm-hmm. Do you hear that a lot?
0: Yeah. Oh, tons. Yeah. We we lovingly, I, I lovingly call it a supplement graveyard where it's yeah. like, I all of these things make sense, quote unquote, they're well-intentioned, they're not bad things, but it's like, what are the, and that's part of my job is like, what are the needle movers for you? Yes. And these things may be decent or like they, they could be fine, but- are they really worth the time and the money? And I want to come up with an impactful list. And that will evolve over time too. I mean, I mean, barring some like core things that most humans need. But like if you're actually supporting something and fixing something, there may come a time where you don't need this whatever protocol that you're on. But yeah, it is disillusionment and overwhelm is certainly common when it comes to supplements. And I would say wellness as a whole too. So hopefully right. That's the that's what I'm trying to do with, The conversations on the podcast is try to distill it and get granular on bio individuality, and Mm. that's really the heart of what I do in functional medicine. I love that you're having those conversations too about that you want to have about wellness on your podcast.
1: Yes, well, I'm so glad that your podcast exists, and I hope everybody listens all the time. Obviously, we're on your show; they're fans of yours. But I, I'm such a believer in the impact you can make because the other big piece of that is, you know, you mentioned bio individuality. Like a lot of people don't have access or the funds Mm -hmm. or the means to get this information for themselves. And that fires me up because, you know, I can have a lot of conversations or interview experts a lot, but I'm like, (laughs) I, a lot of people don't have somebody down the street who can give them Chinese Mm -hmm. herbs, you know, or whatever it is. I, I feel like that's improving though. Thank goodness. Because of technology, you think, because like a virtual appointments, like, I mean, I know you see people around the world.
0: Yeah, it is. is. We've been doing telehealth for, 12, 13 years at this point. Yeah. And I feel like that was, look, look, the pandemic was horrible, but a silver lining, I think, was the zeitgeist of people aware oh, you can do telehealth. Like every, we, they had to reimagine how they did their whole entire life. That's what I've always done. So it's, I feel like it has further, the awareness is higher as far as that being an option and that just the democratization of this stuff and you don't have to live in Los Angeles or New York to get access to this stuff yeah. and the decentralization i think of how of this uh, information but look i think that that's also for people that maybe aren't at the point where they want a functional medicine doctor there's podcasts like these conversations and books that are and articles like lower cost and free things that i really Want to disseminate to people. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you mentioned Indiana and like having to drive 60 miles. That's what I see. I mean, most of my patients actually don't live in LA or New York. They are the people that live in the heartland or in the South that want access to this information, but they live in rural or urban food deserts Mm -hmm. where they just have to get things online because they can't just pop down the street to an Air One or Whole Foods, you know?
1: Totally, totally. I mean, I'll tell you, just a personal anecdote about that real quickly. And that was when my dad was diagnosed with lung cancer and he had stage four lung cancer. And we knew he only had like a year to live. He was in Indiana and I would fly in to visit him. And I tell you, You know, listen, it was probably too late anyway, but like when you see someone you love who is so sick and you see what's happening to them and then you want to just put anything you can into their body that is good for them, that is going to serve their cells or whatever it is. Like I was, you know, maybe one day I'll actually go and do something about this, but I was just like so disillusioned. I really was driving, you know, 45 minutes to even get to any kind of food that I felt good putting in front of my poor father at the time. So it, it is a very, very frustrating reality. I don't know. I mean, that's a whole other show and a lot of other conversations, (laughs) but, but thank goodness, Mm -hmm. I guess for delivery (laughs) too. Yeah.
0: Right. We've had, I had the founder, CEO of Thrive Market who you can get more affordable, healthy things delivered to your house. I mean, Amazon has options too. And then I look at, you mentioned like the progress we have made just with healthier foods or healthy foods. Over the past 15 years or so, I can go into Costco and Aldi and Walmart and Target and Sam's Club and get decent options and some really great options where that's that would actually be my first pick. Yeah. So I feel like things are are improving, but then you have to talk about education and empowerment because people don't even know where to look for these things. They don't even know what is right because there is so much disillusionment. So we have now we have to really educate people on choices and vote with their dollars and
1: even one step further you know i I wonder if you see this too one of my biggest concerns is i feel like so many people are walking around sick and they don't Mm -hmm. even know it because they don't make the connection to food so a lot Mm -hmm. of people today are walking around just their mood is depressed their energy doesn't exist they are like, all of that is like one slippery slope, right? From one thing to the other. But I I sometimes don't even think people know that they're ill because of what they're eating.
0: Certainly. I agree with you. And I think so many people, because they are busy living their lives and they're kind of on autopilot in many ways, but they just push through because they have Mm -hmm. to, but they don't realize there's a better way. They don't have to settle for it. Yeah. It's certainly, certainly true. But again, I, I have hope that conversations like this can be shared yep. and it's like oh yeah I know my sister or my parent or my friend they're feeling like this and they didn't you know maybe we can help them out just by having conversations like this yeah something I know that you've been honest with and, and vulnerable with on your podcast as well as your spiritual journey I'm really curious about that we love talking about spiritual stuff on the podcast mm-hmm. what what has that spiritual journey looked like for you personally
1: well, I think it really started, I mean, my serious spiritual journey of the last couple of years, it definitely started out of radical pain. You know, I went through mm-hmm. a horrific breakup and it was, the timing was very interesting. It was the beginning of the pandemic. So suddenly I found myself, you know, stuck at home, worried about the state of the world, also super lonely and heartbroken, you know, I, all of, it was this like perfect storm of, heaviness that really Mm -hmm. kind of jump-started my healing and so you know i i finally found a therapist that really i connected with i was you know doing therapy twice a week i was journaling and so much journaling i was writing to my spiritual guides every day you know someone told me once it's not even enough to think it or pray it, you need to be writing it down. So I was writing it down every day and I spent a lot of time alone. So my spiritual journey really kind of came into focus and and was really I guess productive my journey. When I got really really quiet and really still with myself and really honest with myself about past patterns and past behavior or you know what really brings me joy versus surface level, you know, happiness. And so I spent a a good two years really just being incredibly introspective and making different choices. And some of that, again, was like what I'm putting in my body and less alcohol, less numbing, less, you know, all of the other ways that we so often cope to Mm -hmm. feel better. So I just, I had this big lens of honesty going on in my life and i was just so mm-hmm. fortunate that i even had the time i may mean, I always like to say that the silver lining of work slowing down and the not being able to leave the house was that i was forced to stare down some of my stuff and i mm-hmm. you know whereas before i would have just met my friends at the bar or gone to another event mm-hmm. or you know gone shopping you know whatever i wasn't able to do that and so I'm just so grateful for kind of that evolution of self I guess. I'm I'm a eternal seeker and I I love being a student and so I just that's I gravitate to all of that kind of stuff now, you know, when I'm listening to podcasts. It's health, it's wellness, it's, you know, I guess like psychologists, you know, like the power of mind, growth mindset, all of these like affirmative self-help things, I guess. But when yeah. I'm doing all that, I mean, the, the real reward is like when you're doing all that kind of work, you physically, and you would know about this, you physically feel better. So I'm not just feeling better mm-hmm. emotionally or mentally or spiritually, like I feel better physically in my body because I'm sure there are mm-hmm. some restorative, like cellular things going on just from being kinder to myself.
0: Yeah, certainly, without a doubt. When you started having that awakening and reckoning maybe of like what was serving you, what was not, specifically with alcohol, did you, I know I've seen this with patients, some patients, they really have to have a renegotiation of friend groups. Mm. And some friends don't know how to like- come into this new season of their life because they centered their friendship a lot around drinking and going out. Did you have that? What was that like? Did you feel lonely at all Mm. with with the circle of people around you?
1: Yeah. I know what you're speaking of and it's certainly a factor, but I didn't have a real issue with it. Interestingly enough, like I'm thinking of my two closest friends and yes, we've been party friends. We travel together. You know, we all have significant others and kids, but kind of that was our, we were like fun friends And interestingly enough, I feel like they too are also going through this taking inventory of self phase. So, luckily, I didn't run up against a lot of that, which is nice. And then, you know, I think also just, you know, I'm in a new relationship now after being single for two solid years. And, you know, I don't think I would have picked my current partner if he was like a boozy guy. Like, no offense, but not no offense. You know, I knew what I wanted to surround myself with and what type of relationships I wanted to have. And he barely even, you know, he just wasn't raised that way. wasn't in his environment growing up. He could care less about a glass of wine or not a glass of wine. It just doesn't even cross his mind. And so I think… Probably consciously and a bit subconsciously, I was attracted to this partner for that reason. You know, it wasn't yeah. going to be an issue. Wow,
0: well, that's a blessing to have friends that are on the same spiritual evolution, life evolution yeah. as you that can grow with you, and they don't have to like just be. You know, they were my friend for a season, but right. uh, not so much because I, I do see that a lot, and that's really great because you guys can edify each other. You can yes be like share things and and go on this journey together. Although
1: just to your point, I mean, I think more than my friends, I think the harder piece is the family piece because my family, my siblings and my mother, you know, I grew up in a drinking household. You know, everybody's like, you know, again, back to the Midwest, like that's what we did. We had our bonfires and we drank our beer and you know, people are just, it was just kind of a culture of drinking. And so I've noticed that with them, to be honest, more than my friends that, oh, this is this is probably harder for them than it is me to kind of be like, why is she not doing what she used to do?
0: Mm -hmm. Totally. I get it. And you can't, choose your family. <laughs> it's a little hard. It's more difficult. No, but maybe you can rub yeah. off on them.
1: That's what i have kind That's of like. I, I send <laughs> my mom all the same things. I mean, she's 73 and this gorgeous, wonderfully, mostly healthy woman. I'm like, if you just, I just know you'd feel even better. You know, I'm sending yeah. her all the links and all the books and, you know. Totally.
0: I have totally see that a lot is that even if you, especially if you live out a certain way, and with time and just meet them where they're at and show them love and don't judge them and yeah. look down at them but right. it really people want to feel better and when you find show them a path to do so it they don't always have ears to hear but more often than not that it, it's a timing thing yes. and you planted seeds and then they'll start to lean in that's right for sure as you know the podcast is called the art of being well i want to pick your brain about a few different things within wellness this is kat Sadler's art of being well First question is, what's the worst tasting healthy food that you still have it, but because it's good for you, not because it tastes good? Oh,
1: gosh, 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 gosh. (sighs) I mean, this sounds really silly. I don't even know if it counts, but I don't like watermelon. Watermelon.
0: Really, my <laughs> daughter hates watermelon too, and I I feel like you're the second person in my life that I've ever heard that before. Well, Watermelon—it's like the highest sugar, lowest like fiber. Like it's made for America. That's why it's like the quintessential like Fourth of July. Is food. it even but, a health
1: food? I just thought it's a fruit. Maybe it counts. <laughs> I don't know.
0: It has some electrolytes in it. I mean, it's hydrating. I'm sure it you know, it has some good benefits, but not high on the list of nutrient density. <laughs> right. So you're okay to not like it. But what is it about it? Were you scarred at a young age? age with watermelon everyone's always asked
1: me that because they're like who doesn't like watermelon that's so like weird (laughs) i don't know maybe it's a texture thing maybe it's like the seeds are like annoying i don't know i think it's i'm not a big melon person (laughs) like i don't love melon and i don't love i don't
0: like other melons i don't like cantaloupe i don't want the honeydew it's kind of gross slimy not into
1: it not into it but as far as like actual health foods i'm trying to think i don't know that there's any health food i don't like i mean other than watermelon i like just about everything I really do.
0: Love it. Yeah. That's good. What what are two supplements? We talked about supplements earlier. What are two supplements that have been the biggest improvers or needle movers for you personally?
1: Mm. Just a probiotic, firstly. I believe you may have had this same woman on your show, the Just Thrive Health. Oh yeah, yep. Tina Anderson, mm-hmm. who started yeah, that Tina company, Anderson amazing and Karan woman. Krishan, yeah, they're great. Oh, I, I, I always kind of knew a probiotic was, you know, like the first step into kind of balancing our gut and like creating gut health and, and these kind of things. And so I definitely that's like one measurable product that I have taken consistently, and I do think contributes to just my overall wellness. I really do. So. I'll let you just, like, give the doctor advice. I'm not going to tell everybody <laughs> to do it unless Will says you should. But I love a probiotic. And the one I'm the most curious about or excited about, but to be honest, I can't tell you if I know for fact that it's made a difference yet, is I just started taking resveratrol. Okay. Because, probably for vanity reasons too, you know, like, I hear that, like, from a cellular health standpoint, it can kind of, like, Not stop aging, but it helps manage, and you tell me, but it helps manage our health in a way that prevents some of the illnesses that do age us. Is that right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of solid research around it as far as supporting longevity, health span, lowering inflammation levels. Yeah, Yeah, certainly. Two great tips for sure. Good.
1: Okay. Well, I I, I can't, you know, again, that's what's hard about supplements is it's hard to totally know, right, if they're working or not, but- I am really consistent mm. about those two.
0: Love it. Out of all everything or anything in the world, what's your dream vacation? Maybe you've taken it, maybe you haven't, but in your mind, mm. what's your dream vacation?
1: I've been so lucky to travel so much. It is like when I retire, that's what I'm doing. Or maybe one day I'll actually do a show that has to do with traveling. I love to travel so much. I was just talking with my kids last night at Sushi about my bucket list desire to go to Japan. I have not been. I would love to go. So that's my dream place that I have yet to go. I mean, Italy is my favorite place in the world to visit again for the food and the produce and the beautiful used to be wine, the beautiful (laughs) setting there. It's just so stunning. But yeah, I've got Japan on the list.
0: I love that. My son wants to go to Japan too. What what's the best sushi place in LA? Do you? I mean, what's your go to place?
1: Best. Oh man, best. There is a kind of hole in the wall place called Sushi Ike I K E, which I think is great. If you pull up, you know, it's one of those places. It's in a strip mall. You are going to be even kind of like, ooh, I don't know if I should leave my car here. It's a kind of a (laughs) shady area, but the sushi is divine i still think some of the classics like i think matsuhisa which is like the original mm-hmm. nobu place i think that's still a really 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 quality sushi place i'm trying i'm blanking on sushi though because i i go all the time and i love trying new spots but now of course i can't think of any of the names i just know how to get there is there the
0: one that's <laughs> in the strip mall is it in west hollywood where i've heard about this i forget the name of it but it was a sushi place in a strip mall and it looked kind of shady but as amazing
1: it's at Gower and maybe Hollywood or Sunset. So it's Hollywood. Okay. It's not West Hollywood. Okay. It's Hollywood. Got it. And then you made me think of one other one that was divine that we just had. Definitely go here if you're ever visiting LA. It's called Sushi Note. Have you heard of Sushi Note? I have That's on Ventura no. Boulevard in Studio City. Out of this world. And will they have like all of the really kind of the the – weird mushrooms and all these like exotic Japanese vegetables that aren't on the list at most sushi places it's completely authentic and so good for you sushi note
0: I have to check it out next time I'm there yeah. I do it <laughs> so I mean I'm just I have food on my mind now so if we're backing up you mentioned loving to travel going out to eat what's your favorite restaurant in the world and when you go there what do you order <laughs>
1: gosh. I should have like prepared for this. Now I'm th- I'm like <laughs> I need to take more mushroom powder so that my cognitive skills are better and then I can remember things. Um it's a
0: Lion's mane. Lion's mane yeah.
1: exactly. I did forget. I do put that in my coffee most days. I try to. When I remember. Let's see. Favorite restaurant in the world. I don't know why Carbone in New York just popped into my head. You know, it's a okay. great steakhouse. It's kind of you know, some of these places are ambiance also, obviously, like it's the whole experience for me, but they have some mm-hmm. of the best, like truffle pasta in the world. It's outstanding. I'm trying to think even what my best restaurant in the world. There is a place in Paris where I think it's called Louis or Ami Louis or Louis Ami. I'm going to find out and send you after the show the exact title of this restaurant, but it is insane they have escargot they have all the pastas you'd ever want they have the best french fries in the world they, it's a must visit if you ever ever go to paris and i can see the store i can see the like the exterior and i'm butchering the name but i'm going to get that to you well
0: all right I'll, well, we'll add it to the show notes okay. afterwards <laughs> love it do you ever go to starbucks and if you go to starbucks what's your starbucks oh God, order this is
1: such a fun game i love these questions i do go i probably go like once a week and right now i am getting a hot grande wait for it pumpkin spice latte but only two pumps of the pumpkin okay. and no whipped cream yeah
0: i got it that's and you get regular milk you get i, get regular you, I know milk. people love their co- coconut milk or almond milk
1: I never do regular milk at home, but when I go to Starbucks, I'll treat myself to the regular milk. Yeah. And I may this might
0: be a little bit controversial, but I feel – I was just telling my wife this yesterday. We were at Starbucks, and I was looking at the baristas, like, pour the coconut milk, pour the almond milk, and I thought – when I was in high college, I worked worked at Starbucks, and then there was just the soy milk then, right? Yeah. I'm 18 years old yeah. barista, and I thought, you know what? It's so much has changed in all of these years. Where it's like everyone wants these milk alternatives. It's the it's the thing to do. But if you look at the ingredients of the current coconut milk and almond milk, it's really not good at all. Oh. It's like lots of sugar and emulsifiers and seed oils. I would say that the dairy, if unless you're dairy sensitive, but if you don't have a dairy sensitivity, the dairy is a better way to go as far as ingredients are
1: concerned. Oh my, that is such a pro tip because I wondered that because I did at least look into like almond milk at Starbucks and it did seem to have like all this sugar and they were always flavored. And I was like, well, if I'm getting all that crap anyway, I might as well just do milk. That literally was yeah, my thing. versus thinking. just
0: plain milk, yeah. right? It's not organic grass-fed. Look, it's not the best, yeah. but it's, it, I would say- that's you're going the better route for yes, sure. Yes, yes. You have my seal of approval. Yes. <laughs> my friend, I could talk to you forever. What's Where do people go to, to listen to the podcast, social media, all the things? Mm,
1: thank you so much. So the show is called It Sure is a Beautiful Day. And you do get all the things. Sometimes it's wellness. Sometimes it's beauty. Sometimes it's celebrity interviews. It's a real hodgepodge. But most people come away saying, they feel somehow comforted by my show, which is a lovely thing to hear. So I hope you will check it out. It's wherever you get your podcasts. And then, of course, just follow me on Instagram. Usually I'm at least tagging or linking to the rest of all my things on my Instagram, which is I am Cat Sattler.
0: Thank you, my friend. Next time I'm in L.A., we'll have to go to Sushi Note together.
1: I will take it you. A- it will be time. my treat. I would love that. would love Keep up all the great work, Will. I I mean it when I say like I'm just in awe of the impact you're making and the lives you're changing and how you are just truly, truly doing good work. So bow down. Keep it up.
0: Thank you, my friend. Thank you. Likewise.